We're going to start this morning with a scripture verse just right off the bat. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10. I want you to look at this verse. And we're going to say this verse out loud together. Are you ready? Are you ready? Okay, here we go. For what God wants is for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Now, that's, that's a big verse. And that verse is pregnant with a lot of meaning in it, isn't it? But I want you to look at just the first part of that verse. For what God wants. Now, have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about the fact that God has something that he wants? Usually, we're very focused on what we want. Nobody probably this morning woke up and the first thought was, I wonder what God wants today. Did anybody think that thought, first thought of the day, first spiritual person? (laughs) We probably got up and we said, okay, what is it that I want today? What do I want for breakfast? What do I want to wear? Do I want to go to first service or second service, or do I want to sleep in? It's a question of what do I want? But have you ever thought about this? That actually God has something that he wants also? And so that little bitty scripture verse says, for what God wants, God has something that he has always wanted. And what God wants is for a people who are set apart for himself. God has always wanted that. That's why the Bible begins and the Bible ends in exactly the same place. The Bible begins with God walking with Adam and Eve in the cool of the garden, and the Bible ends with God back with us and myriads and myriads of people in the holy city, the new Jerusalem. God has always, always, always wanted a people who are separate and set apart for him. And so when Jesus comes into the world, it might be real easy for us to think, well, okay, now God's finally getting what he wants. No, no, Jesus is the fulfillment of the plan. But the plan has always been for a people who are set apart for himself. And so here we have God with Adam and Eve. He sets Adam and Eve apart. He tries to set Noah apart. He tries to set Abraham apart. And he even starts to work with Moses. Now, here's where we are. Are you still with me? Okay, so now let's start with Moses. So here comes Moses, and two or three million people are led out of Egypt through the Red Sea, and the first thing that God does is God says, I want you guys to all come together, and we're going to this mountain called Mount Sinai. And at Mount Sinai, I'm going to tell you why and how you're going to be separate from all the other people of the world. And the first thing that God does is he gives them the Big Ten. You know the Big Ten? The Big Ten Commandments. By the way, how many of you in the room can name at least two? Let's let's not do that. Just one. How many of you in the room, can can all of us name at least one of the Ten Commandments? Yeah, we all know do not commit adulteries in there, don't we? We all know that, all right? How many in the room can name five? Can you name five of the Ten Commandments? All right, I'm just going to stretch this a little bit. How about eight? How many of you in the room can name eight of the Ten Commandments? I'm not asking how many you've kept. Okay. So why does God do that? Why does God do that? The first thing God does is he gives them the big 10. Why the big 10? Because you're going to be separate. You're going to be set apart. You're going to be different than all the other nations of the world. And so right off the bat, we're going to talk about the 10 commandments next Sunday. 
in detail. But right off the bat, God is saying to them, no other gods. That's different. It's okay with all the other religions if you add gods, but our God is saying no other gods. No rain god, no agriculture gods, no fertility gods, no harvest gods, no sun god, no moon god. No, I am the Lord God. You shall have me and me only. And so God gives them the big 10, and the big 10 will separate them from all the other people of the world. And by the way, you see, they were to be his pattern, not his pet. So the Jewish people were going to be God's pattern on how he wanted to separate, how the people be separate from from everybody else. Well, it's the fourth commandment that I want to talk about for just a couple minutes this morning. And the fourth commandment is the only commandment that is not repeated in the New Testament. So why do you want to talk about it? Because I want to bring some clarity to this. All not nine of the 10 commandments are all listed in great detail throughout the New Testament scripture. The one I want to talk about this morning is the only one that's not listed back in the New Testament. And that is the fourth commandment. The fourth commandment is remember the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Now, why the Sabbath? Why did God say six days you can do work, but on the seventh day you do no work? Well, for us today, this is a real tall order to understand. Because for us today, we can work five days and we can eat seven. We can work five days and have enough money to pay our mortgage. We in this country can work five days and have enough money for gasoline, enough money for insurance, enough money for a two-week vacation? Are you kidding me? Taking time off for Thanksgiving, taking time off for Christmas. In that agricultural community, that society, you work 12 hours a day, seven days a week until you died. And that was just to put food on the table. And so why does God give them this fourth commandment? Why does God say, you work six days and then you trust me? Because I am the God who will provide for you. And God is trying to show these people that he is a God who is trustworthy. And so in Exodus chapter 31 is our key verse today. In Exodus chapter 31, verses 12 and 13 is the context for another Hebrew name of God that I want to teach you this morning. And the Lord said to Moses, <clears throat> say to the Israelites, you must observe my Sabbaths. This will be a sign between me and you for the generations to come. And so that you may know that I am the Lord... This is a Hebrew word. I'm going to show you what this means. I am the Lord who makes you holy. I am the Lord who does what? What do I do? I make you holy. And this is the word of Jehovah Mekadeshim. Look at this. Now say this with me. Ready? It's a tall order. There's a spelling test. Nobody can leave the premises without being able to spell these two words. All right? So repeat after me. Jehovah Mekadeshim. All right, here we go. Jehovah Mekadeshim. I don't care if you remember this big word or not, but I do care that you remember what it means. The Lord who sets you apart. And this is what God's trying to do. This is what God wants. This is what God has always wanted. This is what God will continually want. What does God want? God wants a people who are set apart. Now, can you and I set ourselves apart. Here's where the application to the sermon usually goes bad. 
And you've heard these sermons. And here's where the application goes south. You got to remember the Sabbath. You can't work on Sunday. It's a sin to work on Sunday. You got to remember the Sabbath. I remember back in the old days when the blue, we had the blue laws and all the businesses were closed on Sunday. And we praise a Chick-fil-A because they close all their stores, not on the Sabbath, but on Sunday. And I think it's great. I think Chick-fil-A is great. But that's not the Sabbath. The Sabbath was Friday night sundown to Saturday night sundown. And so the application into the sermons go, you need a Sabbath and you need to do this and you need to do this and you need to do this. And you walk away exhausted. And God is saying, I am the one who sets you apart. So now I want to talk about the Sabbath for just a second. Nine of the 10 commandments are listed in the New Testament. This one isn't. Why? Jesus went around doing good and healing on the You go through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you find dozens and dozens of stories where Jesus heals on the Sabbath. A man was born blind, and Jesus healed him on the Sabbath. A woman had a, a, she was crippled, and Jesus heals on the Sabbath. A man has a shriveled hand, Jesus heals on the Sabbath. There was a paralytic, and Jesus heals on the Sabbath. And they were ticked, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, and everybody was all ticked off because Jesus was working on the Sabbath. And I remember when I was in high school, and I would think about this. The preacher was talking about, you know, remember the Sabbath, and it was a sin to work, you know, on the Sabbath. And I'm thinking, well, he's working. <laughs> he's up there slinging sweat on the first three pews of everybody. And I was thinking about my mom and my grandma's in the kitchen on a Sunday afternoon. And, man, they're, they're just working to death preparing a meal. And if the building kept caught on fire, I sure hope the firemen were working, Right. If you had a heart attack, you know, I hope a doctor didn't say, I got to wait till 12.01 a.m. Hope you can live that long. And, And so this whole concept of the Lord will set you apart is something that I I want to talk about for just a couple minutes, because that's what God wants. If you're asking what God really wants, God wants a people who are set apart. And you know what he's done? He's wired that in me and he's wired that in you where you also desire to be set apart. But how do you get there? Well, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11, I want to share some scripture verses here. It says, day after day, every priest stands and performs religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices. Look what it says, which can never take away sins. This is the Old Testament. The priest would offer sacrifice after sacrifice. And basically what you would do is get a clean sheet of paper for that day, but your sins were never wiped away. You just got a clean sheet of paper to go forward. Verse 12. But when the priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. This is talking about, but when this priest, this priest is Jesus. This is a different priest. This is not a high priest. This is the high priest. Verse 13. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. All right, that's a cool verse. Verse 14. For by one sacrifice, he is made perfect forever. This is you. He's made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Now, where I'm going to land today with this application, I think is different. I think it's going to surprise you. I hope it catches you and motivates you. So I want you to understand something. When you become a Christian, you are perfect. For by one sacrifice, he is made perfect forever. Those who he is making perfect. What? How can you be perfect and still be be made perfect? Here's how God sees you. When you and I become a Christian, 
God sees us as perfect. Now, we don't get this because we don't feel perfect because we know we're still being perfected. But when you became a Christian, all your sins, past, present, and even future, were all wiped away. That's how potent the powerful blood of Jesus Christ is. So by one sacrifice, this is Jesus on the cross, on Calvary, shedding his blood. By one sacrifice, he, Christ, has made perfect forever. How long are you going to be perfect? That's a long time, isn't it? He made perfect those who are being made perfect. Well, I know on my best day, I'm not perfect, right? I know on a really good day, on vacation with no kids and just Anita and I, no stress, no pressure. I know on a really good day, I'm not perfect. But this verse says that Christ has made me perfect And the one that he's made perfect, he is in the process of what? Of growing, of seasoning, of transforming, of changing. Now, here's the amazing news. God loves you so much that it doesn't matter where you are over here. You've not closed too many doors. You've not burned too many bridges. You've not run into too many concrete steel walls. God can take anybody and everybody. In fact, the very people he took were the very ones that nobody thought were qualified. He didn't take the good people. Jesus hung out with the bad people. Jesus hung out with those that weren't righteous, and they became righteous by the blood of Christ. That's you. That's me. But what I want to talk about today is I am being perfected perfected. Now, how do I know this? Is that the only verse? Well, Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 says, Paul said, I'm confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on into completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Are you stuck? Are you stuck in your spiritual growth? Are you at the same place that you were six months ago? Six weeks ago, six years ago, 16, are, are, are you stuck? Because you see, the Bible says that even though I am perfect, I am being made perfect. By whom? Myself? My own energy? I got to work harder and try harder and do more? No, no, no. It talks about the Lord is at work within me. Now, stay with me on this. Stay with me because I'm coming to some application that I think is refreshing to you. God is at work in you. He who began a good work in you will carry it on. Well, Philippians chapter 2 verse 13 says this, for it is God who works in you. Who is it who works in you? It is God who works in you. Why? What does he want? To act in order to fulfill his good purpose. And so the Bible tells us that even though I am perfect, in Christ. I am being perfected by Christ, and he's going to continue to do it until basically the day I die. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14 again. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. And this comes back to our theme verse, Exodus 31, verse 13. Say to the Israelites, you must observe my Sabbath. This will be a sign between me and you for the generation. You may know that I am the Lord. I I am the Lord. 
I am the Lord who makes you holy. And here's where the application to the sermons go south. It's at this point where usually in teaching, you got to pray more, you got to give more, you got to serve more, you got to step it up. You got, if you read four verses of scripture, you got to read 14. If you give 10% of your money, you got to give 12%. If you went on three mission trips, you got to go on 15 mission trips. And you leave church what? Exhausted. Somebody said it on the front row. They're tired of listening to me already on the front row. And that's the application of that sermon. Do more. Work harder. Be better. And that means that you're the one who's making yourself righteous. It means you're the one who's doing these works to sanctify yourself. Now, do you play a part in all this? Well, of course you do. Of course. That's not the point today. The point today is God says, I am Jehovah Mekadeshim. I am the same God of yesterday, today, and forever, and I am the Lord God who will make you holy. You see, it is the Lord who sets you apart. God is the one who sets you apart. So here's what I think. I don't know this, but this is after 32 years of observation as a pastor. I know that God is at work within you. And I know that God is at work within me. Philippians 1.6 says that. Philippians 2.13 says that. Hebrews 10.14 clearly says that. And so if I'm not growing, if I'm not being more set apart, I am the one who is resisting God at work within me. You see, here's what I think. I think you have to work really hard at not growing in your faith. I think you have to pretend that God's not knocking on your door. I think you have to ignore those voices of God, that sweet, sweet, still voice of God. I think you have to work exceptionally hard at not growing. Just the opposite of what most messages are. You got to do more. You got to give more. You got to serve more. You you only read for an hour a day? My gosh, what's wrong with you? You should read two hours a day. I, I think that's horrible theology, horrible application. You see, God's not leaving this up to us. This is so important to God. It is so important that you continue to be sanctified, set apart, and grow in your personal faith. He's not going to leave that up to you. He's not going to leave that up to some bumbling preacher like me. God's Holy Spirit himself is at work inside of you. My conclusion is, if you're not growing, the disconnect is not with him. The disconnect is with you. And the problem is, the problem is you're having to resist that. You're having to rebel. You're having to ignore the voice of of the Spirit of God. You're having to pretend, no, that really wasn't God. God didn't ask him. No, he's not not dealing with that junk over here. There's not that stuff in my closet. No, that's not God. We'll get to that some other day. And I think God's Spirit is going ding, 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 ding. Follow me. Just trust me. You see, the whole thing with the Sabbath was You don't work seven days, you work six, and I'm going to show you that I'm trustworthy. You gather food for six days, and on that sixth day, you gather twice as much, and I'm going to show you there's going to be enough manna to feed your family. 
I am going to show you that I am the Lord God, Jehovah Mekadeshim, and I'm going to set you apart, and you are going to be separate from all the people of the world. All the people of the world will know that I am God by how I set you apart, and you are never the same. And so my conclusion is, I think if you're not growing, you're resisting. You're actually fighting against the spirit who is at work inside of you. Well, how do I know that? Well, I've observed that for 32 years. But I've also observed it in my own life, even in my own self. But here's the scriptures. I'm going to show you some scriptures first. Second Chronicles chapter 3 talks about the spirit of God that works inside of you once he starts to be Once you're made perfect, he's going to be perfecting you. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant. Not of the letter. We're not keeping the Sabbath. But of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. There's life in this. Drop down to verse 14. But their minds were made dull. For this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is the old taken away. Verse 15. Even this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts, 16. But, but whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Verse 17, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is so much freedom. This is why, this is why I'm not your Holy Spirit. Aren't you glad I'm not your Holy Spirit? You can be honest, say, we are really glad you're not our Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's talking to you. The Holy Spirit's growing you. This is why with my kids, I finally figured this out. I don't have to push them. I don't have to drive my kids. I don't have to drive people. I just kind of remove the veils. I just remove the barriers. Just remove the obstacles. The Spirit of God loves your son and your daughters more than than you ever will, and you would take a bullet for them. God God is so in love with your family and and the people around you. And the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Because here's the the kicker verse, verse 18. We all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed. See, we're all being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. I want us to read this verse out loud. Because some of you are still not, you're still a little cloud. Okay, here we go. Let's read this together. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. So as you grow in your spiritual relationship, are you growing or is he growing you? Are you doing it or is he doing it through you? You see, I think if you're not growing in your faith, It's because you have to pretend he's not really trying to work on this. He's not really trying to deal with this. No, I'm going to put this over here back in the shoebox, back in my closet. God's spirit is at work in your life all the time. And so where is it that you kind of need to recognize where you're resisting or rebelling or pretending you see, in my own life, I, I stopped this past week and thought about some of this. 
And I thought about about the first 15 years was I was, I was actually in the ministry. Now, the first 15 years as a, as a pastor, I was pulling the church and pushing the church and driving the church and going from this hill to that mountain to that valley, leading the church, boom, 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 boom. And I was just asking God to come along and bless it. I wasn't catching what he really wanted to do in the first place. I was just asking them to bless whatever it is I was. And the church got whiplash trying to follow me from, you know, from this to this to this to this. I was about 35 years old, and I read a book by Henry Blackaby called Experiencing God. I'd never seen or heard or thought the fact that I got to figure out where God's at work and join him, get involved on God's bus, not my bus. Once that happened, everything in my life and my ministry just completely turned around. I, I was a young pastor who prayed for about three or four minutes a day. And that's the average, if you look at, average prayer time, the average person prays about three or four minutes a day. I was one of those average people. And God's Spirit just kept calling me and prompting me, and I knew I had to learn to pray. I I can give, I can serve, I can study, I can work. The hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life is learn to pray. And yet God wouldn't let me off the hook from that. God, I could ignore that. I could pretend, but God just kept pulling, pulling, pulling. I need you to learn to pray. I need you to be a man that knows how to pray. And so today, that's the hardest thing I do. I work harder at prayer than any of the other spiritual disciplines. It's the most challenging thing in my life. I, I think marriage, I, I don't think I had a clue about marriage. I've told you before, I was 23, Danita was 20, she's hot, what's in this for me? That was my philosophy of marriage, okay? I can just see, what'd you learn at church yesterday? Preacher said his wife's hot. <laughs> God's spirit won't, you, you can ignore it, you can resist it, but God will not let you off the hook. And so what I want to ask you to do today is I want to ask you to not five or six categories, just, just one. I want, you, I want you to identify just one area where if you were really honest, you know you're pretending that God's not pulling on your heart. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Maybe it's with authority. Maybe it's laying it down and being humble. Maybe it's control. Maybe it's money. But what, what I, I don't, again, I'm not your Holy Spirit. But where is the Spirit of God speaking to you? Where is the Spirit of God pulling you? Where is the Spirit of God saying to you, I want you to stop ignoring me. Stop rebelling against me. Stop resisting me. I I, I want you to know that I love you so much. You see, I've made you perfect. My sacrifice made you perfect. But I'm going to continue to perfect you all the days of your life. So I'm going to ask you this week, today, to identify just one area. You probably got five or six. I, I'm sure I got seven or eight. But one area in your life where you are, maybe you are resisting forgiving somebody. Maybe, maybe you still got so much pride that you don't want to just be humble and, and seek the Lord and follow the Lord. Where is it in your life that you've stopped growing because you've resisted? You've rebelled. You've 
You've pretended that the Spirit of God is not calling you into ever-increasing glory. And you see, this is grace. There's two components to grace. The first grace is that he saved you from your sins. That's, that's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. But the second component of grace is that he puts his Spirit inside of you to grow you and to season you. And the, free, the freer you become of the entanglements of the sins of this world the happier you will totally be. This past week, <clears throat> Jonathan, Adrian, and I, our senior associate, we went to go visit a campus ministry in Spain. We were in a city two hours west of Madrid called Salamanca. And um, we flew in to London, had a layover, go to Salamanca. And um, the very first full day, um, we don't really know the city yet. You've got to understand this city of Salamanca is narrow streets, not much, maybe three times as wide as this center aisle here. Cars are not going up and down. Thousands of thousands of shops, hotels, little restaurants, just, just a 30,000 college students. That's why we were there to visit a campus ministry. 100,000 or so people just walking through the, the city streets. It's, a, it's, a, it's got cathedrals on every corner, chapels everywhere, probably 25 different chapels, five or six large major um, cathedrals. Well, the first full day we're there, I decided to go for a run. I decided to go for, for a jog. I can remember Jonathan's last words to me were, please don't get lost. We got to meet the missionary guy at 5 till 11. And I think his very last words to me that morning were, please don't get lost. Well, I take off jogging in this city I've never been in before. And the streets are narrow. And they're all, it's like a, I'm inside of a maze. And I go about a mile and a half. And there's this beautiful Roman bridge. An original Roman old bridge. Again, not very wide. Cars wouldn't go on it. I run over the Roman bridge and I see this beautiful park and I'm running wind sprints actually in this park. It's kind of fun to do. And then it was time to go back and I go back over the Roman bridge and I can't find my road. I can't find my street. And I keep weaving my way into this city of Salamanca. And that cathedral looked like the cathedral I thought I was at. And that chapel looks like the chapel I thought I was at. And those shops look like the shops I think I was at. I am so, I'm 40 minutes wandering through this city. And I'm further and further away from the hotel where I'm supposed to meet the missionary and Jonathan. So I look around, I say, I'm in running shorts. I'm in a t-shirt, I have no ID, no passport, no money, no nothing, no cell phone. I'm just running, okay? That's why you don't want me to be your Holy Spirit, right? <laughs> you, you figure that out by now if you're a guest. So I look around at the crowds of people and I say, okay, Lord, I need a little bit of help here. So I see some people that I don't think can speak English. I don't know why I didn't think they could speak English, but I see a guy about 30 years of age and I said, English? And he goes like this. I thought, I'm in trouble now. I said, sir, I'm lost. I'm, I'm trying to find my way back to Hotel Rua. And Hotel Rua is where I'm supposed to meet a missionary and my, my partner. <clears throat> and he said, I think I know where it is. And he pulls out his cell phone. He calls his la mama. He's talking to his mother. And so this guy, Felipe, Felipe and I became best friends. He's in my will from this point on. 
Felipe and I, we walk for about 40 minutes, and he takes me back to the hotel. Of course, I'm 45 minutes late, and Jonathan's got this horror look on his face, and, and the missionary dude thinks I've been kidnapped, you know, and I'm in jail somewhere. And, and, and Felipe kind of half hugs me. I mean, he, I, he's a total stranger. He, he and I are embracing. I was so grateful for Felipe, trust me. He was my guide. Without him, I think I still might be wandering the streets of Salamanca this day. He was a guide. If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, you need a guide. You need a guide to get back to your father. You can't get back to your father without this guide. But not only is Jesus Christ the guide, Jesus Christ is God. He is the way, the truth, and the life. So I want to encourage you today. If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, I'm going to encourage you today to confess Christ. Confess Christ as your Savior, your Lord, so that you can be perfect in Christ and He will continue to make you perfect. For those of you that are Christians, I want to ask you today and all week long to be listening. Where am I resisting? Where where am I rebelling? Where, where am I pretending that I don't hear the voice of God in my life? I'm going to ask the prayer partners to come down front. I'm going to ask you to stand at this time. And if you would like special prayer, you come down front. If you want to become a Christian today, you come down front. Maybe, maybe you've not been listening to God for quite some time. You became a believer 15 years ago, but you really want God's spirit to speak to you and maybe you just want somebody one of our great spiritual prayer partners down front to pray for you and to pray with you and to pray to pray over you today i want to encourage you today to do that today is kind of like the last day to sign up for connect groups Uh, we still have about three connect groups that have have room for you Uh, there's a there's going to be an all spanish connect group if you've never you don't speak good english and you'd like to be in an all-Spanish connect group, we're going to offer one this time. We're going to offer a couple for wellness. We've got a couple different doctors who want to teach for about five weeks on health and wellness. And, and there's, a, there's a wellness group to today as well. So there's room for you to sign up for groups today if, if you're still interested. Will you listen to God? Will you not try to do harder and try to do more and try to make it on your own? Will you just stop and say, okay, your still small voice is speaking to me. I can ignore you. I can pretend. Or I can dial in and listen. You are Jehovah Mekadisham. You are the Lord who sets us apart. And we recognize your greatness and your awesomeness today. And oh, Holy Spirit of God, continue to do a work in us and through us and among us for your glory. It's what you want. You've always wanted a people who are set apart for you. And we recognize that today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you.